Hi, and welcome to the Virtual Classroom Podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Ring, and I'm so glad you're here. In the Virtual Classroom, I invite virtual teachers from across the country to sit down and talk to all of us about what it's like to be a virtual teacher. It is my hope that through our conversations, we can educate, collaborate, and of course, connect to build a tribe of virtual teachers. Thanks again so much for being here. All right, so we're about halfway through this first season, and I just want to take a second and express my gratitude. I've gotten texts uh, during promising practices and during like my faculty meetings, uh, people fangirling over me, but truly, truly, I say to you, I'm fangirling over you. You all are incredible human beings. This community of virtual teachers has only grown stronger. And I am thankful that you all are connecting, that you all are collaborating, that you are educating each other. That's what this is all about. And I'm just so incredibly grateful to be a part of it. I'm so thankful that I get to know each and every one of you. And with that, I have a very loyal listener She is always listening on her Apple Watch. And I'm always thankful when I see that in the stats. Like, yes, my girl showed up. I don't know who you are, but I want to change that. Please direct message me, PM me, email me. I want to know who you are and send you something special. Please reach out. We're about halfway through season one. And I just want to give a shout out to all my loyal listeners. Thank you so much for participating, for engaging, all of that. I'm incredibly thankful and I'm fangirling over all of you. There is one unique listener that always listens on her Apple Watch. I want to know who you are. I'm always thankful to see everyone's stats, but this one's just particularly unique and I want to know who you are. So please DM me, email me, whatever it may be. I want to know who you are and send you something special. So please reach out. So now let's dive in into the conversation. This is my first uh, conversation with Jennifer, but it's not my last. She occasionally co-hosts with me. We just instantly connect. And know that this episode was one of my first ones before I got better audio. So please don't let that discourage you from listening because Jennifer is incredible. She is a music teacher. She works with other students as like an advisor and she's a K-12 ambassador. So she has a wealth of knowledge. So without further ado, here's Jennifer. I'm Jennifer Schultz. I live in Wyoming. This is my 20th year teaching and it's my 11th year actually as a virtual teacher. So. Um, I got into virtual teaching a little bit more because I did a master's degree early on uh, and was like, dang, this is kind of cool. And so kind of got a little bit more into it, had really small kids. And so just really enjoyed that flexibility. And it's just um, kind of branched into something I I absolutely love. A little bit more about um, my family. I have five kids, 14, 16, 17, 20, and 21. Our 21... 20-year-old is married and has a one-year-old daughter named Miley. Um, she's adorable. But I'm a grandma, which is weird because I do not feel old. Um, but we love living in Wyoming. My husband's a deputy sheriff. But he's also a dare officer and worked Y camps forever. So he also really loves kids. And so, um, yeah, it's, we just, we have a good life here. You live in Wyoming, but yep. what, what grades do, like, what do you teach? Oh, So I probably should have said that. Um, So yeah, so I actually teach middle school and high school now. I have pretty much run the gamut of everything. I absolutely loved being a K-6 general music teacher when I was in brick and mortar. Um, But I found my calling in middle school children, which just seems very weird because most people, I mean, you have to kind of be a weird person to love to be a middle school teacher. (laughs) But I love seventh and eighth graders' minds. And um, so I do seventh and eighth grade and I also do high school um, and I'm a music teacher um, like I mentioned and so a lot of people are like how do you do that online and I'm like uh how do you not do it online at this point in time with the technology that's available to us like every way possible is how you do it just <laughs> like everything else um but I also like I was gonna say this right off the bat and I should have is I one of the things I really like about being a virtual teacher is I feel like so many great opportunities 
that I have had that I never would have had if I was only just a music teacher in a district. Um, and so I've gotten to be a freshman advisor. Um, I work for our national corporate company with help desk tickets and teacher training. I get to be an ambassador for our state as a, um, the Wyoming teacher. And so like just things that I never would have imagined myself being able to do um, and have a passion about. And so that's one of the things I absolutely love the most about what I do. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, one of my, my curiosities, because even though you're like, how do you not, I'm still curious. So I'm thinking about when I was in middle school and elementary and how music was mainly like just a singing and doing choir things. Is that still, can you still accomplish that in a virtual classroom or does it look a little bit different? Well, it does look a little different, um, but, I, and through the years, I've, I, I keep honing in on better and better techniques um, as new technologies and new awesome websites come to play for educators. Um, and so I will tell you that like a big part of it is like, you know, composition, music theory, music history, music appreciation. And so a lot of the content and curriculum that I teach really focuses around the music standards that have to do with um, seeing music in everyday life and appreciating it and understanding the history and how it ties in to all of the other core areas. Um, and, and I also work with like our English teacher to help her accomplish some of her language arts standards in like public things. So like our students, I students project presentations on what I call their burning music question, where they can basically figure out a question that they've always wanted to know that has to be linked to music, but it can be linked to anything else that they are already passionate about. And, um, and so I find that that's a really, really good way to, um, to help students to kind of um, dive in and be excited about music in the virtual environment and seeing it around them and they learn from each other. Um, recently, I started using Flipgrid and um, not only for vid video journaling where they could like tell each other their burning music question and then also like comment so that they could help e each other come up with sub questions like within those topics, um, which was so awesome because also it created an environment that was safe for them to be able to socially interact and talk to each other um, and see each other. And so I was like, I actually am getting to see my students now um, and see what they look like and um, get to know their voices better. Um, but I also am starting to use those same techniques for Flipgrid using uh, the video stuff for students to do elements of performance. So clapping rhythms on video camera um, or uh, being able to sing the solfege um, on a scale or do major or minor um, or even just sing a song, their favorite song, just to give them a little experience and with, and where they're, I'm the only person that's going to see it, and they can kind of explore that. And so, um, and I also have found really kind of out of the box ways to also do music where um, I've gotten to involve my school. So, like, for instance, um, I started a Celebrate the Arts Day um, every single year. It's an annual event, and I pulled in our other arts teachers, so fine art and um, some of like, well, and actually even like our language arts for like poetry and stuff like that. And we have a day where people are able to um, send in their poems and their artwork and um, their creative writing stories, short stories, and then also perform for each other and either perform live like over the microphone and webcam or um, send in a video of like a live performance or a dance um, that they've done and they want to be able to um, showcase. So it's a little tiny bit like a, a talent show, but not quite. It's like better than a talent show. Um, and we usually have some kind of a guest speaker that comes and um, just talks about that, that maybe is a person that's in the field somehow in the arts. Um, and they just kind of share a little bit about, you know, a career in the arts. Um, so it's been really awesome. I always get our other teachers involved and, um, and it's a, a school-wide event. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty out of the box. Like I, I'm pretty flexible. Um, I'm definitely not one that just kind of goes by the curriculum and I'm like, this is, I have to say this. <laughs> I probably drive my teachers crazy a little bit because they're like, oh, there she goes again. Another airplane idea. No. <laughs> so I remember 
in like elementary school when I was in a traditional classroom and how I, we wanted our specials to incorporate math and ELA in there, but yeah. a lot of times they wouldn't. <laughs> so yeah. they wanted, and I, and I get that. I, I like completely understood. I was like, this is my classroom. If they came into my classroom and told me to like incorporate PE and stuff like that in there, um, I would be like, whoa, I would need some examples. I would need them to show me how, and maybe that yeah. was the problem. And so I love that you are, I love that you are doing that and that you are a vital piece in your school, uh, not only just with the arts, of course, that's because we need that, but also helping your team, helping your school reach those goals as well, because unfortunately, art is not on the state test, um, but ELA and math is. So I love that you're kind of yes. killing two and that, one stone. Exactly. And, you know, and here's what I'll have to tell you is that I honestly, and maybe this is because I'm a music teacher and I've been teaching it a long time, but I honestly can't look at the course without being able to see ties to music or to art or, you know, those areas um, that I think just are so helpful in, um, you know, helping students to be more creative and to, and I think that it helps them to have that element of fun too. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want kids to just think, oh, I have to take this music credit. And like you were just saying, I totally have those kids that are like, I hate music. I don't want to do this. But at the end of the class, um, you know, when I let them explore a topic of their interest, then all of a sudden, like I pulled them in and they see like music actually can do something for them in their life. And it is actually around them in ways they probably never even knew about or acknowledged. One, one in particular example, I just, this was actually just a couple weeks ago. I have a student that is, a, she's a rodeo princess and she travels all around um, with her horses and does all these rodeos. And she has a really anxious horse that just really hates being in um, the horse trailer when they travel. Well, she um, discovered that they have these new blankets that you can put over your horse that um, they also kind of have this area where it kind of goes around their neck. So it's like right next to their ears. And then the blanket is actually equipped inside with Bluetooth that connects to your phone on an app. So from your truck, you can actually, you know, change the music and, um, and play music for the horse and you can talk to him or sing to him or whatever you want. But that was what her project was on and, and how that has helped the horse um, tremendously uh, through That's that process. Absolutely amazing. Isn't that crazy? That like, is but so see, crazy. I never in a million years would have said, hey, does anyone want to do a topic on this? Like, that's the beauty of saying, hey, what are you already interested in? And how can you tie that to music? You know, absolutely. I love that. That is so cool. Yeah. Um, no, you had me at Rodeo Princess. <laughs> like, right? oh, where is this going? Because I love horses. everybody wants to be a Rodeo Princess. <laughs> well, when I was a kid, I, I had a horse and I um, remember pretending like I was a warrior princess in my backyard. <laughs> when I'd We ride. all were. No, I mean, let's be honest. But I had a horse. Like, that was, <laughs> like, well, of course, we're all warrior princesses, but I actually had a horse. So I was like, oh, where's this going? So I love that. I love that you, it's almost like the genius hour and you're doing yeah. it with music. And so, yeah. and for sure. And, and also what I was thinking as you were talking is um, how these kids you're, that you're saying that are just non-interested you know, who doesn't love music? Who doesn't right. listen to music? So I can't, I can't not, and that's totally a double negative, but I, I can't help but think that these kids who come in who are not interested are then realizing that what you're teaching them applies to the music that they're already listening to. And it's probably giving them a better understanding of it. And, um, and it, at least in that respect, but it sounds like you're doing so much more than that. And I've used Flipgrid too, just recently in my math classes, in my small group math classes, where um, there's those videos on vocabulary uh, with the with the raps or songs of the multiples, and I had them work on the eights song, and then on Flipgrid I had them sing their the song, and it's so it was really cool to see them in different light and uh, and they loved it they ate it up and not everyone participated not everyone did it but it's my hope that if I continue doing that they will they will all get more 
more involved in it because that was a really cool, cool resource. Um, but yeah, so that you, is you, a really cool resource. I was going to tell you really fast that, um, one of the, and I just recently started using Flipgrid too, and I had the idea that it's always hard to talk about something, especially if you don't really know about it, or maybe it's not your favorite thing. And so I thought that, that introducing Flipgrid with letting the students talk about their burning passion music question would be a good start because any kid that, you know, has a hard time talking you ask them about something that they already love and their face lights up and they get more animated and they'll talk about it, you know, way more openly. Um, and so that was a really good kind of introduction to Flipgrid for them because they weren't, it kind of took down some of those defenses from the get-go. Yeah, I was thinking about, cause in my classrooms, we, uh, we use our webcams quite a bit, but they don't, they don't see each other. Um, I see them. Um, I put them in breakout rooms and they will turn on their mics and webcams and read. I'm, I'm fourth grade. So they'll read a story to me or work on their independent practice or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, but they don't see each other. So I was thinking they're constantly asking me like out of, out of academic questions. Like today they asked me what I was doing over Christmas break and I'd really like to know what they end up doing. So I thought when we come back, I could use Flipgrid because I don't really, we don't have the time. Unfortunately, I like most of my classes are just 30 minutes and I have to get going like right from right when the hour starts, right till when the 30 minute end ends. And so I was thinking I could use Flipgrid to ask those questions. They could answer them and then they can see each other's and respond to each other that way. So I'll, um, but yeah, to get them talking and then hopefully build that relationships in the classroom because they'll see each other's videos and, and kind of have that, that kind of relationship and bring it into the classroom. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think the hardest part about trying to be a teach like a 21st century thinker, um, and try to do some of those things. Cause I mean, I keep thinking in terms of my own children, who are like, like I said, 14 all the way up to, we have two that are out of the house that are, that are adults. Yeah. Um, and like, how are we preparing these kids for like actual life, life, you know, and life skills. And um, the reality is, is that, you know, there's so many new technologies that even the process of having to learn a new technology is um, a life skill that can be taught. And so I know that that sometimes is a barrier for teachers where they're like, oh, it's, I don't want to deal with these tech issues. Like one of the issues with Flipgrid is that half of my kids can use it in Chrome, but the uh, but half of them can't. So they have to go to Firefox. And so I'm constantly having to tell kids, like, did you try the other browser? Um, and then also the login with an email. So like, but those are barriers that I just have to kind of tell myself, like, it's worth it. Push through it. It's going to be okay yeah. because they need to know how to figure that out. And um, also I can't let something like that stop me from something that could end up being pretty awesome. You know? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what I'm always like, I really don't want to push another thing out to them. But those yes. days, I'm like, but this could be really cool. And but you know, <laughs> the other, the other part of it too, I mean, like I said, I was 20 years, that's a long time to teach. And Granted, I mean, obviously things have changed significantly just moving over to the virtual world because that's like a whole new planet um, <laughs> of teaching. I, um, actually, I had a student tell me one time that uh, moving from brick and mortar to virtual wasn't like moving from like one school to another school district. It was like like in the same yeah. state or even in the, the, the United States. It was like moving to a whole different country. And I was like, wow, like that's always resonated with me because it is tough for both teachers and students alike. And have to kind of be empathetic to that process and know it takes a while. But um, one of the things that I've learned over time is I have to be able to sense when I'm starting to, to feel that burnout um, and that like I just want to kind of be with the status quo of like, oh yeah, I mean, this has worked for the last five years. I'm just going to keep doing it the same way. Like I, I have to be willing to like push myself out of that box and try new things, not only for my kids' sake, um, as the world changes, but also because it helps me to not be, I mean, I'm more excited this year using Flipgrid and some other things I've done, um, just because I did switch it up 
And it's not as boring for me teaching the same thing all the time. And uh, I feel like I'm a better teacher when I do that, you know, when I every once in a while have to kind of go back to the drawing board and, and read the divide, you know, design how I'm doing things. Yeah, I'm always looking, I'm also looking for things that make it easier for me. So um, one of the newest things that I've discovered is Edulastic and uh, it looks a lot like what the state test is going to be like. It has, it can put the stories on the left hand side and I can scroll through it. And I was thinking that the other day, if I didn't keep exploring, keep asking questions, asking like, what, what are we, what are we using? What's something better? I would, I wouldn't have found that. And what I'm seeing is that my kids are, are fantastic readers. They can identify the main idea. If I just put it on, um, you know, fun story on the screen and it looks engaging, but as soon as I put it in something that looks like that, they freeze up. So it doing that, even though it's not very fun, I'm still helping them on this life skill that, you know, not everything's going to look fun. <laughs> and right, um, exactly. And I hate that. I hate that about our world. It's not always fun. And so just putting it in a format that they are going to see every now and then, um, I think is going to, to help them. And, and that's what I'm all about. I'm all about the fun. I really am. But I'm, but I am also about like what you said, preparing them. And yeah, unfortunately, yeah. it's not always pretty and cool. So. It's not always rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. What? Uh, no, <laughs> um, I wish it was. No, I, I totally agree with you. And, and, and honestly, the way I think about it, I mean, it's pretty much exactly what you just said, but I would say it's all about balance. Like we want to help our kids be balanced. And so yes, they can do the fun tech stuff, but they, I mean, real, real world is you go to work and you do things sometimes that you don't want to do on your to-do list and you have to get yeah, done. Like all the Excels, like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> data, data, um, with Excels. <laughs> right. Well, and, and not to mention like, you know, deadlines on top of that, you know? And so like, and I was telling, um, my, my head of school the other day, I was telling him that, um, just looking at my own kids and what they've been doing in middle school and high school in our little small Wyoming, you know, district, school district, I, they're already using a lot of these technologies in the brick and mortar classroom. Um, and, and finding ways, like you said, to prepare them regardless of whether it's always fun or not. But what I, what I told him, I said, I think it's so interesting to me that as virtual teachers, we, you, you would think that we are the pioneers in using all these different tech, new technologies. And we're not, we, we, we aren't at this point in time. And it, I, I want it to shift to, a, you know, where we are being able to use it more. And I think we just do get comfortable Absolutely. with the curriculum we have. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah, I actually signed up for this thing called Cyber Tulsa, where you learn how to code and, and they like give out all this really cool technology. And I'm like, why are we not? Why is my whole school not signing up for this? Because we are. Yeah, we're a technology-based school. We should be the leaders of technology because we're using it far more often. And that also what you said is um, our kids are using so much more. I remember when Oklahoma, just last year, we, we changed from, um, for the most part, middle school and up was, was doing their state tests on a computer, but elementary at the time was still um, doing paper pencil. So last year, fourth and fifth grade changed to computer and was still paper pencil. And then this, either way, I remember the entire state erupting when that happened. Like all my all my Facebook groups uh, that were elementary based was freaking out. They're like, "How are we gonna do this? Our kids like because they go to computer lab once a week, or uh, maybe even at most once a day for thirty minutes, and even then they're like working in Stony Island or something like that." And I remember I was thinking, "I'm pumped! I'm pumped because my kids do nothing. Like they, I mean." They, there's some parts of the curriculum that is paper pencil, which is beautiful. I'm glad that they have a good healthy balance, like you said. But for the most part, their curriculum is on their computer, their class connects are on their computer. They I was so excited because I was thinking the reason our kids partly struggle with the state test is because they're so used to doing school on the computer. And now we're asking them to and we're asking them once a year to take their test on paper pencil. And now we're bringing the test to their world. It's going to look more like what they normally do. And they're 
probably going to feel more comfortable and relaxed because they're used to working on a computer. So um, it's, it's so interesting you say that because, and, and you're right. Like it's, I mean, finding that balance is so important. I remember um, a couple of years ago, my daughter, by the way, is like a genius when it comes to computers. She wants to be an animator for Disney someday. Um, but and she laughs at me when I try to talk to her about coding at all, because I am so illiterate when it comes to coding. Um, and it's not that I don't tr try. I do. Like, I just don't understand it as, I don't as well. And <laughs> I know. It's because I should know. I should know. Well, how she doesn't even want to have that conversation with me. She's just like, well, I'm not even, I'm not even trying. I'm not even trying with you. <laughs> She's done with me. Um, but I did. I, I actually, we had a um, innovative um, conference here in Wyoming. A couple, it was probably about two years ago. And um, I, so I remember, I, okay, so this is actually a really good story. So I was sitting in the area where the, the key, keynote speaker was going to, you know, school us all before we went to all of our breakout workshops um, for two days. And so they introduced this, the, the um, keynote speaker, and it's this millennial kid, like, that's like 22. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, really? Like, what is this kid going to tell us all about education? Like, seriously, he looks like he's still in high school. <laughs> like, what is up? Um, and so as he started talking, the first thing he said was, raise your hand if you have a, a kid at home or kids in your classroom that absolutely love Minecraft. And of course, like, everybody raised their hand. And he's like, now raise your hand if you understand how to use Minecraft and like five people raise their hand and he's like so what is the difference there what's going on there so basically he dove into the theory that um you know in the 80s and 90s when we pretty much grew up um or even you know before then we had a very strict list like you know this is step one this is step two this is step three even like our controllers were way easier like the nintendo controls were way easier atari you know <laughs> like it's a joystick and a button you know um but we were basically given all of the steps and with minecraft they the kids really don't get anything and they kind of have to figure it out on their own and he said it's what is so interesting to me about teachers is that you guys are still wanting to give step 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 and like be overly helpful to these kids when they don't need any help. And you're actually doing them more harm than good when you're always helping them out and you're always giving them the way out. And um, I was just, my jaw just dropped. I was like, oh my gosh, he's right. He's, why are these kids able to get on YouTube and look and discover all the things they need to know in order to make their perfect Minecraft world? And they cannot use that same exact skill to get on YouTube or Khan Academy or whatever in order to look up the, the, and figure out how to do, um, you know, a complex math problem, for instance, or, you know, how to read a, you know, how to kind of interpret a poem. Like, why are they not using them? Because we haven't helped train them to do that, to like help themselves. You know I'm what I'm saying? I'm so glad you just shared this because I'm over, I'm over here racking my brain out like I have taught main idea a thousand different ways and maybe that's just the problem maybe I'm maybe I'm too in the way maybe I'm doing what you just said trying to put it in steps trying to make it easy for them but in fact ma actually making it harder and now I'm like really super curious now if I just said read this passage and tell me what what you notice about it like what they would come up with I'm it's so it's interesting because really the idea is like and he said this flat out he's like don't be helpful that's what I can tell you as a millennial in my 20s I know probably you know think I shouldn't be up here talking um which I, I was that like he owned it was he looking right at me <laughs> like did I show it on my face <laughs> but he was like I'm telling you guys do not be helpful anymore. And I mean, really, it has revolutionized my teaching in the last two years. And I, I have to tell you, like, I battle against it so hardcore. Like, for instance, I'm also, I'm pretty empathetic. I'm a feeler. You know, I want to give my my students the best chance possible. Um, and so, like, I have battled because there have kids been kids that, you know, missed deadlines or they didn't read the announcements and the four emails I sent out. Um, and didn't look at any of their resources in the course and they missed something and you know I'm just like it was there 
sorry. You know, like, and that's been hard for me because I have to like put those boundaries down. But what I found is those same exact kids will not repeat that same mistake. You know, they will learn Absolutely. from it. Yeah. And, and you know, here's the thing when I like, when I give them a bailout every time, they don't learn anything from that. They just continue in their behavior because I'm not giving them a reason and how is that helping them for the future? Their bosses aren't going to bail them out. They'll just get fired. You know what I'm saying? So I just absolutely, yeah. So, so relevant to think about it that way. And so what I was going to say is, Kimberly, if you, one of the things that really helped me is um, creating a center in my courses that was like a resource center. So, um, you know, instead of getting the same email over and over again and me explaining things or whatever, I would just say, please go visit the resource center. I have a video link onto that exact topic. And so I'm putting it back on them. I gave them a resource. I did help them, but I still am putting it back on them and they have to go seek out that resource. And if they choose not to, then that's not on me. That's on them. But it is there. And, you know, a lot of times um, kids are now being trained to just go there instead of sending me emails. So it's helping. So what do you put in? This is, this is, my, I, I already have an idea where I can put this because I used, to, we still have the old, in elementary world, we still have the old OLS. We don't have the cool DSL, whatever. You're accused <laughs> I don't even know. But we have a website and I can like make a, like a SharePoint OneNote and put those resources in there. But what do you have, what do you have in your resource corner, whatever, whatever you called it, what do you yeah. have in there? Okay. So like, I mean, obviously there's content specific things in there, like how to get to their lessons. Um, I always have a video for new students and where to start, um, how to mark things complete, like certain tasks within the, you know, how to, um, turn in their sub or submit an assignment. So like basically, you know, those orientation things. And then I also have ones that are more, you know, assignment specific, like how to do your Flipgrid assignment. Um, what happens if Flipgrid isn't working? Um, and I will make just one or two minute videos. I like using Loom um, because it's super easy in Chrome, Google Chrome. Um, <clears throat> and so I'll just throw together a 30 second or minute long video and then it's super easy to put in there. Um, but those are the kind of things I do. Um, I also will do things like timelines for assignments and um, and like the, like the rubric that we use for the project presentation and like a self-evaluation that they can use to kind of make sure that they're getting ready and they're on track to have a good grade in that, um, project. So every, I just try to think of any question and honestly, I actually initially just started building it up based on the question. So I would get an email and then I would make a video, I would put it in the course and then I would say it's in the course for you. Um, and so they actually helped me figure out what needed. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I wish that <laughs> I'm thinking here because um, Kate or kindergarten through fifth grade is getting a whole new platform next year. And I'm really excited about it, but this could still be something that I could use now and, and probably still should make now. Cause we, we do have open enrollment next in January. So um so it'd be really helpful for those new babies and uh, most of my other ones who might still be struggling. So thank you for sharing that idea. This is the whole reason why I started this podcast. In the first I know. Place. I'm so excited for your podcast. I, this is like the best idea ever. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. But I do still have some more questions. Hey, go for it. I'm excited to see where they're going to go. So we kind of already touched on, we've already talked about, you know, how being a virtual teacher is a little bit different than how it looked when you were a traditional teacher. Um, so what is something you wish that you had known before coming into the virtual world? It, it may have, it may or may not have deterred you, but what's just something you wish you would have known? So, um, I mean, I can think of things that I wish I would have known, but for both positive and for more on the negative side, um, I think I wish I would have known that I'm a, I'm pretty am <laughs> extroverted. And the more I was at home, the more I felt introverted and like weird <laughs> out in public. And so like, I've had to kind of balance myself with being at home and 
you know, trying to still be part of, you know, of my community. And I mean, obviously it helps because I'm involved in things like church and stuff like that. But um, <clears throat> I wish I would have known that um, that was going to be a thing. I didn't even think that would be a thing. Um, I also did, I wish I would have known that um, there's really no such thing as getting a day off. Um, and I wish I would have known how difficult it can be. It makes it exponentially more rewarding on the other side of it. But um, like, I'll give you an example. My dad had a stroke about five years ago. And so I was doing time between my town and their town, which was four hours away and helping because my mom and her and my brother and my sister-in-law also were all teachers. So they were having to take some time off in the public schools. Um, and so like, I would go try to, we would, we kind of just all shared the piece. And, um, and so what I thought was, oh, this will be fine because I'm going to be a virtual teacher and I can just do it in my, you know, just sit there watching him in the living room. Um, but uh, what I didn't realize is that like, it's so, it's so busy with all of his doctor's appointments and everything he needed. I'd still tried to do it all. And <clears throat> I felt like I couldn't get a sub because there was no way a sub was going to be able to figure out everything that I did and get it all done in a week. Like I just thought there's no way that a sub can do this. And so I do feel like that was a struggle because I, I felt very torn, even though I had that flexibility to go be at the house. And so um, I, you know, trying to find balance, I think is huge, whether it be social balance or time management balance, where you have to shut your computer off at five or six and like, you know, only decide to, to do anything over the weekend, a few times a year, whatever, like you have to figure out those boundaries and stay to them because you live in your house and you work in your house. And so it's easy to never actually leave um, your office. And I didn't realize that that was going to be so much the case either. But I also did not know that I was going to know my families like exponentially more than I ever did in the public school. Not that I didn't contact my families or know them or try to get to know them. Um, but I just think by the nature, you have to be in much, much closer communication and whether that's, you know, over zoom or email or phone calls. Um, and, and also that you can like kind of get to know the family dynamic better too. So like if you have siblings, um, you know, you end up kind of seeing and sensing that the family dynamic in a totally different way as well. Even if you don't always have all of those siblings as your students, can kind of still see you know where your student may fit in the family and what their struggles may be in the home environment and and better assist them in their learning process as a result so I think those were probably the big ones um I do remember feeling like a deer in the headlights <laughs> like oh my gosh what did I get myself into because it's a steep learning curve just in terms of what we were just talking about technology and stuff um but I also think that it's good that teachers have to go through that because they're much more empathetic as a result to our new students that come in. Cause they're like, I totally feel ya. I was there with you a hundred percent. And so I think that we're all kind of in the same boat that way. And that that's unique, I think, to our situation. What I found with my balance is there's like one day a week that we don't in at Oklahoma virtual tour Academy. Um, we are given one day a week where we don't have to teach. Um, we are able to plan or grade or um, it, we call it like our project day, which is really, really beautiful and something I really wanted when I was a traditional teacher because I'm like, if I just had one day, one day that's not on my weekend, <laughs> but one day, even every other week or once a month, I, I, I was very minimal in that um, just to dream just to plan just to really really try because like you said it is hard to, to especially in the home when you're working at home it's hard to just turn your computer off I mean it's easy to walk out the door in a traditional school but I'm easier I would say and then leave it or put in a bag and pretend that you're going to work on it when you get at home but you really don't <laughs> but when you're already home when you're already there working it's hard to turn it off um so what I've done uh, to help balance that out, and this may be allowed, this may not, <laughs> kind of hoping that it is, that it's okay, but on my day, on my project days, I, I go to a coffee shop and put my headphones on and get my computer out, and I'm really not talking to anybody, I'm just working, 
but being around people and has really helped me with that mental health side of it that that part where you can feel so alone in your house and and not just and not being around people that can be really hard um and so I'm also involved in things outside of the home but there's just something about that there's something about going to that coffee shop working on my lesson plans and uh, or grading whatever I happen to be doing that day that really fuels me for the next the next week and I can tell when I don't when I don't go on those days where I can't go for whatever reason um, I can tell that the next week is not as um, I'm I'm not as top of my game because I wasn't fueled in that way even though I'm not talking to anybody even though I'm just like just sitting there working with my headphones on there's something about being fueled up when I'm around other people that really well and I found too because I I do that from time to time or I I don't think I can ever do it for like a whole day but I'll do it for like oh I could probably go in the morning today you know like and sometimes it's on the fly um but sometimes you end up in conversations with people about virtual education, which is cool. And, um, and that was the other thing I was going to say is like, I, it's crazy how I feel we have to advocate all the time for what we do. I mean, I, I felt that way as a music teacher my whole life because we kind of always have to justify what we do, which is weird, but we do. Um, but I didn't realize that I was going to have that feeling that sense of almost like a, I, I know it's going to sound so weird and, and I don't know if there's any other way to say it, but almost like when someone says, what, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a virtual teacher. I almost feel like this sense of like, I have to then follow it up and explain why it's like a real job. <laughs> and like, yeah, and, but it's like legitimately a, like, it's a super hard, it's the, it's the hardest teaching job I've ever had. I feel the need to like follow up with saying that because people think I must like stay at home and eat bonbons all day and like not really. It's funny that you say that. My principal always says that. <laughs> He's at home eating bonbons. He's like, you know me, I'm just sitting here eating bonbons. <laughs> but yes, I feel that way too. And I feel like people think that I just have this flexible schedule. And it is more like what you said with your dad. You were trying to do it all, but you probably still have more flexibility than say your siblings who are in a in a traditional school. Right, um, exactly. And yeah. so there's that's still there, but I'm still working uh, an eight to five job just like anybody else. So, um, and that's the hardest part too. And I, I probably should have said that. I really wish I would have known that like, it was going to be so hard to train my family that I'm still working. <laughs> like even my husband, my husband's a deputy. Yeah. And so he's on shift work. And so like right now he's home. And so like, you know, it's hard to like train him. Like, I know that I'm home, but I'm not, I'm working and you need to leave me alone. (laughs) Like, um, and he's obviously he's been a lot better, um, over the years. And my kids as teenagers have learned like, or shut, um, don't go in there. And, And sometimes I'll even like post on the outside of the door, like recording or in a session with a student or whatever. And if the door, and then I'll leave it open if I'm just kind of working and not really you know super super involved where they can come in if they need to ask me a question or whatever but um I I just I did not realize that it was going to be a huge transition for everyone in the house to understand what a virtual teacher does you know what I'm saying like I sometimes even have to tell my kids like I'm still working do you even understand what that means (laughs) yeah my five-year-old struggles with that and I'm like and and for some reason he doesn't and maybe now that I got these new headphones that I showed you, it'll be more understanding because before I was just using like headbuds that came with um, with like your cell phone. And so they kind of yeah. hide underneath my ears. So maybe now that he can actually see my headphones, it'll be more understanding. Like my headphones are on. I can't talk to you. She right has now. the awesome pink headphones yeah. on. <laughs> I have to leave her alone. It was always so funny because it seemed like as soon as I put my headphones on, he needed to talk to me. Like <laughs> he was like, like, wait, I've been sitting here this whole time, like for the past hour and you did not need a thing. But now that as soon as my headphones are in, um, but yeah, I, I wish I kind of known that too, but, um, like, well, and also I've been known to like embarrass my kids. So like what, you know, if they come in and I'm in the middle of class, I'll be like, Hey everybody say hi to Abby. Yeah. <laughs> so now she knows not to come in cause she doesn't want to get embarrassed. That's hilarious. <laughs> no, see my son would eat that up. He like comes over and like 
because I, I leave my webcam on all the time so they can, my kids see me all the time. So he like pops into the webcam and like waves and thankfully he's not home very often because my class times are between nine and one thirty, And so I try to, and then I try to do everything I can before three o'clock. I walk out my door at three o'clock because I'm like, why are you so early and sit in the pickup line for um, 20 minutes when I can just sit in it for like five uh, but well, and that's the beautiful part about it is you can do that and then come back. And I, I do have to say, I wish that I was better about getting up. Like I, I wish that I was better about moving around more. I, I've tried to like get in the habit if, if I'm on the phone with somebody that I'm walking around the house or squat, doing squats. Something like yeah. that. Um, and that I like take bathroom breaks and I go get some coffee or lunch. Cause sometimes I'll just go like all day and then I'll get three yeah. o'clock and like, I have to pee so bad. I and it's I like to, five feet away from me yeah. <laughs> down the hall. <laughs> I remember I used to have just a normal desk. I would just sit at a normal desk and after sitting for a while, um, my schedule used to be a lot crazier. Now, now I teach for two hours and then I stop for 30 minutes and I teach for two more hours. Um, but I remember getting up and my back just hurting, like from just sitting, being stiff and sitting so long. So I got, I have a standing desk now. So I'm, constantly standing and moving like when I put a one minute timer on for my kids to think or work whatever I'm I'm dancing I actually recorded myself um the other day for the podcast and for Instagram and I like completely I guess I completely forgot I was recording myself because I'm just sitting I'm, I'm not sitting I'm dancing or doing squats or lunges while these kids are working I'm watching the chat box like I'm I'm monitoring them but during that one minute time, it's just like a dance party for me. So well, and it's, I'm excited you know, to share that. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I, I, I really started doing brain breaks, especially for my classes that are like an hour long or 45 minutes long. Um, because nobody can sit that long. Like, and especially not kids, especially not most boys. Unless it's a movie. <laughs> and that's what I tell my kids. I'm like, right? if you can't hold, if you do not have to go to the bathroom for the whole movie of whatever's like recent, I'm like, then you don't, and my classes are only 30 minutes. I'm like, if you can sit through a whole SpongeBob, <laughs> you can sit through my 30 minute class. But yes, when they're an hour long or yes. five minutes long, I totally agree with you on that. So. Well, and you know, that's the, that's the other thing I don't think a lot of people understand about live um, classes that, you know, for me, like I, I create goals for myself, like every two slides, I want to do something that is interactive or gets them back and pulls them back in. So that I can do like this quick formative assessment to make sure that they're understanding, they're with me, they're not just checked out. You know, I do use a room called the hallway where I put them in if they're not doing anything um, and address that issue. But, um, you know, the brain breaks are a great thing and they, they love them like, you know, 30 dance parties. And like you said, I'll, I'll find all these brain breaks that, because there's a ton of them online and then you just kind of use those and use other people's creative ideas because I'm all about begging and borrowing and stealing <laughs> from yeah, other so teachers. What do you use? Uh, I like when I was in an elementary, like in a traditional school, my brain breaks would be like just dance, like one of those like kid ones. So what do you yeah. use in your middle school and high school world? Because I'm sure those don't, are not near as cool <laughs> to them. <No. laughs> so what do you use? I mean, I kind of come up with a bunch of different things. Like one time, like, like for instance, and sometimes it's actually content related. Like, for instance, um, my seventh graders at some point learn about like commercial music and jingles. And so like one of the brain breaks is actually listening to jingles and they get to like, guess which jingle it is on the board and move the pieces around and stuff. Um, and but like, I find YouTube videos where it's like, you know, we'll show a brain break that's happening in like a live brick and mortar class, then I'll get on the webcam and do it and then ask if anyone else wants to show themselves doing the brain break um and I and things like maybe like a list of three things and say okay and I'm going to set the timer for a minute and a half and here's three options go ahead and use your pointer and tell me which option you're going to do and it'll be things like run around your chair 30 times um get down and do 10 push-ups or um sing your favorite song out loud to your cat or dog or something like that and I just kind of make random stuff up and um or, or things like, what is your, you know, if you have a pet, what, what's your pet doing right now? Are they sleeping next to you? What are they, you know, like even just asking them questions in the chat or like one of my classes is at one o'clock 
um, that, and it directly follows a high school assembly. So I'm always like starving. <laughs> and so I'm always like, all right, just so you know, I'm eating. This is what I'm eating today. What are you guys eating today? You know, like, I love that. Yeah. Kind of That's trying to find ways to relate to the kids. And absolutely. Like, you know. No, I love, I love all that. That's, I love um, that. And that'd be really great for any of our like middle school and high school kids where dancing is not near as fun anymore (laughs) or they're embarrassed by it or whatever because I I don't do brain breaks just because I have them for such a short period of time and um and I know and we actually normally get out a couple minutes early because I need to pee sometimes in between my like normally I have a next class starting right after it so so I so I'm not even using the whole 30 minutes most of the time more it's like 27 28 of the whole 30 minutes so um, but I do love that. I do love, cause I do know, you like probably use more brain breaks than you realize. I mean, <laughs> cause to me, like what you were just saying, like just getting the kids, you know, asking them a quick question and letting them kind of respond and show their personality that 30 seconds or 15 seconds is, I think a brain break or, you know, just finding ways to connect. So yeah. you probably do it way more than you think. Well, you I do. probably am more providing that outside of like the class. So like, Hey, when you're done doing your math and about to do reading, go, go do this flip grid. So, um, but I still, I still love that and, um, could probably provide even in that like digital resource room that you talked about, I could put brain breaks in there. And uh, yeah. that way if a learning coach needs to have a brain break with their kids, they can um, go to that part of part of it and, and do one of those. So, or at least give them some inspiration. Um, I know we're running close on time. So my last question for you is, and I know you kind of mentioned this about your, um, you already mentioned a student earlier about the rodeo princess, but you've been doing this for a long time <laughs> and I could learn, I could probably talk to you all day, every day um, and learn <laughs> so much from you. But could you tell me a time where you made the biggest impact in a student's education in the virtual world? I know that you've done both, but specifically in a virtual world. Cause sometimes I know for me personally, only until this year do I feel like I've actually made an impact in my kids uh, world and I, there's probably other teachers like me like am I really making a difference and and I know that they are but is there a, t- a story or a kid that you can tell us about that you know you made a big impact on yeah I can I can I mean obviously like you said I can probably think of a number of different kids because you know I don't think anyone realizes all of the different reasons that kids come to virtual school it's not just homeschool kids it's not just kids that kind of are using it almost like it's an alternative high school where they just, it didn't work in their regular school. I mean, we've got kids that are bullied. We've got kids that just, you know, their parents really like the curriculum, but we also have kids that like are dealing with some really crazy things, um, massive trauma. Um, I recently learned that most of my kids, this is a last resort for them. Like they weren't in their traditional school. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I recently learned that. And in their home, you know, a lot of our kids, their home lives are, are kind of nuts. And, um, and so just learning their stories, I think is so critical. I mean, like I had a girl one time that had uh, her, her mom passed away right before the school year started and her dad was a truck driver and she had no other family. And so she was able to go actually travel with her dad and do her work from the cab of the truck and still get to be with her dad and not be put in foster care. And I thought, um, kids that stayed home to help their parents get through MS and cancer and, you know, all these different circumstances. But the girl that I think comes to mind the very most, I had a senior, um, probably, this is probably like seven or eight years ago, actually. Um, but she had kind of dug herself a pretty deep hole to the point where I think she had 14 classes her senior year. And it was kind of like a make or break. Like you either do all of these and graduate on time um, because you're this credit deficient going into your senior year, um, yeah. or you are going to have two senior years. Um, and she, and I just kept telling her like, it's, it, it really would be okay if you want to do a second year. And she's like, I can't do it. She's like, if I don't get it done now, I will drop out. And I was like, okay. And so, um, I went about and she, she was just one of those that just was not, she had such a hard time being motivated 
And um, so I set up a daily class with her where um, she could just come and she just application shared her screen and I just did whatever I needed to do during that hour. Um, but she had that accountability of working at least for an hour. And then if she got stuck, um, or I'd say like, hey, I just noticed you did that quiz and you didn't pass it. Why don't you go ahead and do your quiz questions right now before you move on? And like, I just tried to help her in those ways. And then we also came up with a weekly plan. I also had her text me every single day um, what she was going to do and if she got it done at the end of the day. And it was like, I mean, I worked my tail off with that, that family and um, she did graduate. And I mean, the, I think there was one or two classes where we were like the very last day going, oh my God, is she going to pass? <laughs> like I was contacting the teachers like every day, like, is she going to do it? Is she going to make it? Like it was really nail biting for like two weeks. But um, at graduation, her family came up and her mom was just in tears. And she was just like, thank you so much. She never would have made it through this year without you. And, um, you know, now she's a mom and she's married and she's doing amazing. And it was just sitting over that hump of graduating. I knew she was going to make a fabulous adult. Um, and so I just think sometimes like taking that time to invest. I know we can't take the time to do that for every single kid. But even if you pull one kid in and just make him kind of your baby for the year, you know, um, and just do whatever it takes to help them, um, it really, really can make a big difference. I love that you shared that um, because I'm, I have two kids on my mind that in my world, in elementary world, it's not so much the kids, like it's, it's more the learning coach. And you mentioned earlier about the millennial uh, keynote and I'm like, I'm technically a millennial, like I'm technically a millennial, but I'm an elder millennial, <laughs> like right there on the cutoff. That's and, the coolest one to be. Yeah. No, because I was raised by boomers and was, but was raised in a, the millennial world. So I kind of got, I feel like I got the best of both worlds. But um, what was I going to say? So I'm, I'm dealing with, so it's kind of like what I was thinking earlier is that I'm teaching to this new generation, but I'm needing to support the older ones, like their parents, the ones that are... Um, they're probably not boomers. I forget, like Generation X probably is what probably most of them are. I, I don't yeah. know. And so I'm trying You can to always tell that, Kimberly, by the fact that most of the moms are named Jennifer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, which parent could I make, not my baby, obviously, but, um, but that I could take under my wing this year, which one could I really do that for and um, see if that'll make a big difference, not only in their kids life but maybe their life too so thank you for sharing that that story because you're right we can't we can't do that for everybody but maybe if we knew their stories if we knew like if they if we could provide a way to be vulnerable for them to be vulnerable with us and share then we can make a better decision of who we really need to support and and help and find that one that needs us the most and and just work on that one um so well, and empathy always goes, I think, so much further. Um, and I, I say this as a freshman advisor because I do work with the kids that really struggle the most a lot as well. And um, and I, over the years, have really changed my tactic from, like, um, not almost accusatory, like, okay, you said you were going to do this, and it's not done yet, you know. Um, it, but instead, I try to let them talk way more than I do and find out, like, well, what happened this week? well, what's going on? Like, and sometimes kids try to take advantage and I have to really kind of reel them back in because I have to kind of take good pop bad pop sometimes. But I, I would say that for the most part, like I find out so much more, they're much more honest with me. Um, and then we can really start to address those barriers or the things that they're trying to do instead of their work. Um, if, if I do take that time to really get to know them and find out what's going on with them, um, it's, it just goes way better and it helps them to succeed way better, you know? Absolutely. Uh, giving them that, um, opportunity to be, feel safe and in, and like I mentioned earlier, most of our kids are, uh, they're, they, this is a last resort for them. And just like what you said with your story, that one, that one girl, um, this was probably her last resort. And if she didn't, if she wasn't successful here, then she wasn't going to be successful anywhere. So, yeah, 
we got to be that for them because unfortunately I love, I love traditional schools. Um, I'm about them. My son goes to one and, um, but I'm also, like I said, I feel, I wish I didn't have to defend why I work at a virtual school. I wish that that was just kind of understood. I wish people knew that about, about virtual schools that, there's some kids that are just not successful at their traditional school and they don't have anywhere else to go. And well, and that we're not the, like, it's not like it's a, a the us versus them, like, like yeah. the public school teachers and the brick and mortar teachers and the virtual teachers. Like we're all wanting kids to succeed. We're all on the same team and it's not like we're trying to steal, um, you know, but I do think school choice is, is so important. And I learned that with my kids, I have one daughter that um, was, she battled and battled freshman, sophomore year really bad. And um, we we have her in a project-based um, school this year. And she is a whole new kid. She's not on depression medication anymore. We don't have to be on her all the time. She's confident. She wrote an entire book in 10 weeks. Like, she is insane. No, and it's like, we never, we never would have seen that um, out of her um, in the environment she was in because it just, for her, was not the best place for her to learn. And I mean, that was not true of our other four. I mean, I think it's okay for parents to like, look at the situation and look at every individual child and say, what is going to, what does this kid need to be successful? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I love that. Jennifer, thank you so much. Um, That's all the questions I really have. I feel like we could, we could probably find more to talk about, but um, I appreciate you so much. And before I let you go, is there anything that I didn't ask, but you wanted to share? If there's anything, I would just say, be kind. I mean, I just think that the world needs more kindness. And, um, and we just need to believe that there is still a huge amount of goodness in the world. And our kids need to see that through our eyes. And it's so easy to be jaded. Um, because we do kind of deal with some of those harder families or harder, harder, harder kiddos. And um, they just need somebody to see the world differently or better than maybe what they can see in their own environment and, and help them process and get to that place where they can be successful in life. So kindness, that's probably what my takeaway would be. Awesome. Well, Jennifer, thanks again for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I really had a lot of fun. Thank you. So I've recorded this part, this last part a thousand times probably, and I keep trying to make it shorter and I don't think I'm able to. So please bear with me because I want to make this short, but I feel like I have a lot to say during this time of this crisis. There was just no way that Jennifer and I knew that the things that we were talking about back in December 2019 would be so relevant to today and this coronavirus and school shuttings down. I want to just say, be kind to yourself. Be kind to your students during this time. Not to say that you aren't already, but let's just show a little extra kindness during this time, a little more empathy, because their world is changing too. Uh, Their dad is probably home a lot more uh, than, than before. They might not be getting paid during this time. Uh, So let's just be a little kind and empathetic and try to provide a sense of normalcy for these families. Because that's why they're here when a world is, our world is always chaotic, but now it's even more chaotic. And I'm thankful that our virtual classrooms aren't being disruptive as much as the schools down the street. The only distraction that might come into our classroom is just our kids. And that's nothing compared to a school being entirely shut down. My heart goes out to those teachers. If you're one of those teachers, know that my community wants to support you and we would be devastated just like you are. If the internet for some reason shut down and we couldn't do virtual schooling anymore, it would devastate us. So my heart goes out to you and know that we're here to support you during this crazy time. So please just as in general, be empathetic. Be a positive role model for virtual learning. You have teacher friends that are out there that are curious and scared and worried and want to connect with their kids, but just not sure how. Please reach out to them. Just let them know that you're there. And if they have any questions, I'm sure they will reach out to you. 
And also remember to be a reflective teacher. Nothing's gonna happen by chance. You gotta be mindful of your family. Uh, as Jennifer said, she had to train her family and I also had to do the same. I'm thankful my son has grown up with me and in this field, he knows what I do and how I do it. But for some of you, your kids might not have any idea what you typically do on a normal day. Uh, so you might have like, let's watch mommy today. Like you're just going to watch me do what I do and then talk about your expectations and maybe pull up a recording, uh, from one of your virtual classes and let them watch you, uh, do what you do and then talk about, you know, so what do I need from you? How do you think you should treat mommy whenever she's in a live session like this? Those are things that you can do uh, before, if, if possible, before uh, you actually start your live sessions with your kids at home. That's just a suggestion. You do what you do. Just be mindful of it. Do what you think is best for your family and it's gonna help you significantly because I know on April 6th when my live sessions start back up and my son starts distant learning, that day's not gonna go well. <laughs> but I am trying to be reflective. I'm trying to be mindful and trying to prepare our lives for that so we have minimal disruptions, have minimal distractions, and the day can go a lot smoother as opposed to me not thinking about it all and just hoping that things work out. So that's my advice to you. Be kind, but as always, please be brave during this time. Your families need it, you need it. Be brave, take chances. Do something different. This is a time for that. A lot of us have uh, testing has been uh, thrown out. So this is a great time to just try things, see if they work. Um, and then also, as always, have fun. During this uncertain time, your kids might be stuck at home and can't leave. And you might be their one source of entertainment because uh, they can't go down to the park. They can't I go over to their friend's house, you know, so you might be it. So make it fun. Maybe try those escape rooms you've been wanting to try. Uh, maybe a scavenger hunt, you know, whatever. Just get your kids moving um, mentally and physically because this might be their only time to really engage with others. So just do what you can to make it super fun. As always, thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Bye.